Amen. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> so it was mentioned to me just a little bit earlier that uh, if you have some empty seats around you, if, if you could kind of scoot over just a little bit and, and let some people in. Or if you see someone looking for a spot and you have a couple, uh, make room for them as they come in. I know it's always fun. Is everyone comfortable? Are you sitting down? All right, everybody hop over at one, right? Um, the, where I came from, it was Healing Street Baptist Church. We call it the Healing Street Hustle. Um, I think we should call it the Cloudcroft Cuddle. What, what do you think? No? Okay. <laughs> We're glad that you're here this morning. Glad you've chosen to come and worship together with us. Uh, for those of you who are a guest, you might notice uh, in the back of a chair around you, there should be a guest registration card. We'd ask you to fill that out and put it in the offering plate uh, as it's passed at the end of the service. We are so glad. Uh, that you're here. We're in a series. Uh, we're, we're going through the Old Testament, right? How many of you like old things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get to a certain age when uh, nothing else is old. Everything is, is new. I, I drive around and I look and I'm like, that kid isn't old enough to drive a car, are they? Um, but, but there's some things that, that you learn when you get a few miles behind you, right? Uh, one, one of the things uh, that I've learned is things don't always turn out the way that I plan. Does that ever happen to anybody? You, you ever, you know, did something? And, and, and we've heard of the school of hard knocks. Have you heard of that? Um, I just wish I could graduate someday. Um, just, just ready to, to move on. I, I said a long time ago, and this is going to date me just a little bit, but I, I want to go through the school of hard knocks by correspondence. You know, I, I, I want to learn from his mistakes. You know, I, I don't want to learn from mine anymore. Well, we're in Joshua, and, and it's really, I, I love reading the Old Testament. First of all, uh, you know that uh, the, these are stories from the Bible, but they're true stories. And in fact, it's really fun. As you read in Scripture, everything, you ever wondered why, gosh, why do you need to say all the genealogies? Why do you need to give us, you know, the, the dates or who was the king at the time or what was happening when this is going on? Because it's real. It's true. It, uh, it, it's rooted in history, and our faith is rooted in history. Our faith is built on fact. And, and so it's fun for me as I go back and read. And, and, and what really helps me is when I see people in the Bible do stupid things. Does that ever help you out a lot? You know, I'm thinking, I'm not alone. I love Peter. That guy messed up more than almost anybody else in Scripture. And, and you know, Jesus just kept bringing him back, just kept bringing him back. Well, the, the, the children of Israel, they, they've, they've been freed from the slavery in Egypt. They, they march across the wilderness. They get to the promised land. They send some spies over. Um, and, and I bet you that's one of the things Moses said, I'll never do that again. So they send 12 over, 10 come back and say, man, there's no way we can, you know, these, these grapes are so big, it takes two people in a pole to carry a cluster. And and, and we can't take them. And Joshua and Caleb are like, are you kidding me? Look what God has given us. And, and yet the people rebelled, and they chose not to cross into the promised land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and God had to teach them a lesson. God ever had to teach you a lesson? Some, sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm in that 40-year you know, thing. He's, he's still teaching me. But, but even in that, one of the things God taught them was to trust him. Um, I, 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 I put on... a. a I don't know if you guys do this or not. Um, my my clothes go through phases. Men, I don't know if this happens with you. I've got my clothes that I'll actually wear when, when I want to look decent, halfway presentable, right? My jeans, um, those are the ones without the holes. Um, 
Uh, although everybody laughs at me, it's always got an imprint of my phone and my, my wallet. Apparently that falls in the same place all the time. At least it's not a snuff can. Do they call it snuff anymore? Okay, I don't know. I'm out of touch. So, so anyways, um, and, and then eventually they'll get a hole in them, or I will think, I can paint this wall and not get any on me. Um, so they get a hole in them, or you get something on them, or up here it's like, ah, I just got a little bit of wood up to move, and then you get pine sap on them. Then those are your work pants, right? And then after a while, you know, they, they, they go from your, your wearing pants to, and you guys may have a, a different phase, you know, then, then mine, you know, go to, all right, I'll work in them, you know, I'll do something, I don't mind getting dirty and dusty. And then they go to, like, my paint pants or, you know, the, working in the yard, that's the worst one for me because that pine sap, I can't get off. If you guys, like, know how to do that, you can let me know um, without eating a hole where the pine sap was. I've got holes already in those. And I have no idea where I was going with this illustration. Because um, things don't always turn out the way you plan. <laughs> but, but Joshua, Joshua is just coming off of that. I know where I was going with that. Forty years, God taught them to trust him. Their clothes didn't wear out. They didn't have the little um, ruffled place on their jeans where they put the tape measure like I get. You know, they didn't have the holes. Their their shoes didn't wear out. For 40 years, God provided miraculously for them for food and for water. God was teaching them, and and a whole generation had to die away, but, but you've got a whole generation now of Israelites who know nothing but totally relying upon God. You think they would get it. Well, 40 years later, Moses is gone. The, the mantle is passed now to Joshua, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God does some really cool transition things for them. He dries up the Jordan. They cross on dry land, really reminiscent of the Red Sea. So what God did for Moses, God is going to do for Joshua. That, that's the implication. He's carrying it on. God even said, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He gets there, they're, they're, they're at the, just looking into the promised land. Jericho is in the distance, and, and they eat from the fruit of the land for the first time, and the manna ceases. But then at the same time, they observe the Passover, connecting the old with the new. God's going to do some new things, but he's still the same God. And, and so, so then they, they go, and, and here's... Jericho, we talked last week about these walls, these things that keep us from where God wants us to go. And, and so they're looking at Jericho, this formidable city, these walls that are impenetrable. And, and God gives them some really unorthodox military strategy. I want you to march around. <laughs> okay, yeah, and I can see, I told you last week, I'm not a military strategist kind of guy. What didn't get the honor to serve in the military, but, but I could see this might be intimidating. You know, all of these, these army, it's like your dad when he says, you're going to get a whipping son, go in your room and wait for me. <laughs> I'm like, no, just do it now. Just, just get it over, you know, It'll make me wait. And so they, they march around, they, they do this uh, one time for six days on the seventh day, they march around seven times. The, the priests blow the trumpets, the people shout, and the walls come down. When, when God's moving, he brings down walls. And so they take Jericho. 
without a fight. You'd think they would get it, right? Well, here they are. Chapter 7, Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And, and I love this. The Bible's so much fun. I just love language anyways. Um, did you know that they had artificial intelligence in the Old Testament? Maybe that's not what this means. Um, but the people of Israel, chapter 7, verse 1, of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi. I should have asked someone else to read this. The son of Zerah. You don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced either. Don't pretend. Of the tribe of Judah. Some of them took, or they took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord, that is the anger of Yahweh, burned against the people of Israel. Okay? So this is almost like one of those little aside things. So this happened. So now we come to, to verse 2. Joshua sent men from Jericho into Ai, artificial intelligence, in case you're not like up to speed. I know, it doesn't get better. Um, my jokes are really funny around 2 a.m., but I can't stay awake that late anymore. Sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, go, and spy, go up and spy out the land. Now, he, he should have learned. And the men went up, and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't make the whole people toil there, for they are few. Now, this is the generation that has grown up having to trust God for their daily bread. <laughs> you know, we, we, we say that, but, you know, we, we've never had the experience of going out and collecting manna for breakfast. Well, you had to collect it for the whole day, every day, only for the one day except for the Sabbath, then it would last two. Every day, reminder, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. To, to trust to, to provide so they can get across in the Jordan, to trust God to bring down the walls of Jericho. This is that generation. And now they get here and, and, and they say, Joshua, don't, don't, send every, don't make everybody go up there. Man, we, it's two or 3,000. We, we've got this. There aren't that many people. We got it. It reminds me of this, the story I heard of a guy that was sliding off of a roof, two-story roof, knew that it was going to be bad when he went off, and he says, Lord, save me. Right about that time, his pants catch on a nail and stops him. Then he goes, never mind, God, I got it. <laughs> this was them. They go through all that, and, and then it's as if they say, never mind, God, we got this. Actually, I'm not even sure they thought about God. So about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people. And they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Cherubim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, I know, I know you, you're way different than these people. We read about them, we're like, man, don't they get it? <laughs> don't they get it? They, they've been trusting God for their food. They trusted God for the walls to come. To, don't, don't they get it? 
I'm afraid that we are a whole lot like them too often. And, and so let, let me just give you a, a few things today to, to kind of chew on here. Um, I really only have three points, but they all have sub points, so don't, you're not going to get out early. The first thing I want us to look at is the path of defeat. How do you get there from where they were? How, how do you get to that place where you say, never mind, God, we got this, or, or worse yet, just take it? Well, first of all, what you need to do is put yourself first. That, that's the first step along the path to defeat. You, you want to put yourself first. And if you look at the beginning of this chapter starts out, the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. So, so here's the deal. If you don't remember, God, God told them that all of the stuff in Jericho was to be devoted for destruction. Here's what that means. And this is hard for us to understand because we don't live in Old Testament law or in Old Testament times. But but devoted to destruction means that they kill every man, woman, and child gone. I mean, they wiped out the whole city. They didn't even take any of the livestock like, like you would normally do. If you conquer a people, normally you get the spoils of war, right? You, you get those things, but, but not here. And I believe it's because God is still wanting to, obviously he still needed to teach them to trust him. Well, well there was a family that said, you know what? All that gold stuff, we don't need to take all that. I mean, God doesn't need that. And so they kept it. They put themselves first. That's the first step on the road to defeat. You, you put yourself first. And, and you know what? Th- this is easy to pick on them, but that's so easy for us to do, isn't it? Isn't it? I, I know it is for me. It, it's easy. Something comes up, and I'm, I just start trying to figure it out myself. Well, I don't know what's best for me. And, and, and it's harder because we live in a world that says, hey, you know what? You just need to take time for you. Have you ever heard that? I, I I just need some me time. That's second chapter of the book of Hesitations, I think. I just need some me time. That is not a biblical concept at all. Now, it is to take care of yourself. Eat right, exercise. Now I'm starting to sound like my doctor. Um, We we need to take care of ourselves, but but if you put yourself first, you started down a path. The second thing is don't seek God. Don't consult him. Don't. Now, we want to consult for God. God, let me tell you how you need to do this. Not, that's not what I mean. But don't ask God. If you look in here, I don't see any mention at all about them consulting God, about them saying, Joshua, what would the Lord have us do? They, they just said, we got this. I don't even know that it was a thought. I don't even know, we we don't have it recorded, that it was even a discussion. The walls of Jericho have just come down, and they act like they did it. We we took care of Jericho. We're going to take care of AI. We're we're just going to go over there. And In fact, there's not even, we don't even need everybody. (laughs) Why make them toil? Do you ever get selfish like that? I do. Um, Cynthia's been out of town for a few days and you would think I would be able to get a lot done around the house. But boy, a nap sure sounds good. <laughs> Put yourself first. Don't, don't seek God. Don't, don't ask him what he would have you do. 
They didn't. No mention. And then trust yourself instead of God. We, we've got this. That was, that was their thought. We don't, two or 3,000. I, I love that. Of course, Joshua opted for three. Um, so maybe he was thinking, something's, something's not quite right here. Trust in yourself. Don't trust God. That, that's the path that will lead you for defeat. And, and, and here, here's what's hard for us. Um, I, I was talking uh, with a, a dad just the other night, little little boy had run and, and he fell and he was crying and got up and and uh, was running again. <laughs> and the dad's like, son, you know, this little two-year-old kid, son, don't run. I, and I told him something that I, I wish that I'd had when my kids were little, and I called it a daddy button. The dad button, because my kids, and, and I have girls, I, I, I don't know what it's like to raise boys. Maybe boys, you just let them fall and skin up their knees. They'll learn eventually. But you know, with girls, I'm like, don't run, don't run, you're going to fall. No, I won't. I, boom, that's what I wish would happen. My daddy button. Honey, don't run, you're going to fall. No, I won't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but here's our problem is I heard the shot collar thing. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That'll fix them. I wouldn't. Anyways. <laughs> they... They just trusted themselves. And the problem is we do that sometimes and we get away with it. We think. We do it. But, but here's what you need to think that these are steps along a path. And this is the path for defeat. This is how you get away from God. This is how you do it. You go it on your own. And I don't know about you. Things don't usually go well when I go it on my own. There are two principles that, that I can see from Scripture that will help us not to do that, that will help us to not to end up where Israel ended up. Now, here's another thing, too, and, and again, I, I didn't get the opportunity to, or I had the opportunity, I didn't have the honor of serving in the military, but they lost 36 men, and, and they, they ran away like, puppy dogs with their tail between their legs. Now, I, I, I'm glad that I, I didn't have to be in a place where I was in command and people lost their lives. That's a tough place to be. And, and I'm not making light of 36 people who lost their life here. But, but I'm thinking in war, a 1.2% casualty rate is not that bad. They had 3,000 men. They lost 36, 1.2%. And they ran away because they trusted in themselves. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and this is where we'll, we'll kind of camp on these two, two principles and end up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite passages. If you, if you haven't memorized this, then you should. Um, you should be teaching this to your kids and to your grandkids. I, I try to tell everybody I can. Maybe that's why they don't hang around me at the coffee place much, right? Um, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean or lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So the first principle, it deals with trust. And, and, and here's the thing that... If we could just learn this lesson, and it's hard. If we could just learn this lesson to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. 
don't trust in you. Don't trust in him and don't trust in her and don't trust in your stuff. Don't trust in your retirement. Don't trust in your job. Don't trust in anything else. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And when I, when I see that phrase, all of your heart, that's kind of hard to describe with someone. And we were talking in Sunday school, especially with kids. They take everything really literally. Ask Jesus into my heart, you know. If I get a heart transplant, do I have to ask him into that one too, you know? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Really, that's I, I see all your heart is every area of your life, in your relationships, in your job, in your family, in your work, with your neighbors, as you drive along. Trust in the Lord with all your heart in every area of your life. Trust in the Lord. And don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Because listen, I've got news for you. You don't know everything. And you know the problem with that? You don't even know what you don't know. It, 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 when I, I drive my kids crazy. It's kind of fun, actually. But uh, whenever we're talking about something and I don't know or I'm not sure, I'm reaching my pocket, Dad, don't Google it. <laughs> I want to know. But, but when it's some, if I don't know what I don't know, I can't find out what I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? I'll give you a real practical example. I'm holding my finger. Thankful that I still have it. A long time ago, a while back, I was putting in a vanity and I had to cut a circle out for the, the drain pipe for the sink. And uh, and I was using a jigsaw. You know. Is that what that is? Yeah, I almost called it a sawzall, a jigsaw. I should stay away from power tools if I don't know what they're called. You see where this story's going. And, and so the, the wood was, it was fake wood. It was real flimsy, and I kept breaking the, uh, the blade on it. And, and I don't even remember. I don't think I've used my jigsaw since. So, um, but but it, I had to, you had to stick your finger in there kind of weird and pull this little thing back, and it was breaking the blade, so I had to jiggle it for the blade to come out. You should probably unplug your jigsaw before you do that. I know, right? But I had it figured out. I was leaning on my own understanding. I just put it in there. And I don't know how I did it. I, I really, I'm not sure I've used my jigsaw since. Um, but somehow when I stuck my finger in there, I also pulled the trigger. Um, and, and the blade came out, like, thankfully. But that little doohickey that goes up and down really fast took the end of my finger with it. Um, I know. It, it broke the bone. I didn't cry. I nearly passed out. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know if you know this, but the water that comes out of the tap here is really cold. And if you break the end of your finger and it's bleeding, it ripped the skin. Anybody hungry for lunch? Um, and you stick that in icy cold water, that'll just take it right out of you. I mean, I was on my knees. Hope came and looked and she's like, Dad, what's wrong? Go get Mom. <laughs> Feel like a kid again. Don't trust in your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. You don't know everything. Why don't we trust the one that does? And then the second part says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that almost sounds like, and, and I, I don't, we don't ever want to be flippant with God anyways, but, but especially this, that, that this is not saying that like when your wheel comes off and you're driving, you say, well, praise God. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about here. Now, if you can praise God when your wheel comes off, you go for it. That's okay. 
Um, I'm going to be praying, <laughs> praise and pray that goes together. What he's talking about here in, in all your ways, acknowledge him goes back to the other. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It means in all your ways, invite God into every area of your life. What would that look like if you said, you know what, God, I invite you into my finances. God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you into my wallet. I'm inviting you into my bank account. I'm, I'm inviting you into my family, into my relationship with my wife. Lord, I'm, I'm inviting you into my relationship with my kids. For those of you who are young and, and, and you do the whole dating thing, um, invite Jesus into your dating relationship. I like to say it like this because it, it helps create some space. Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> invite Jesus into your relationships. Invite him into your work. Invite him into your car when you're driving. I, I don't know, maybe you live where there's like a lot of traffic. For us, that's when all the visitors are here, we, and we want you here. We just don't go into town when you're here. No. I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth. Traffic, man. Um, we, we went back after we'd lived here for a year, and I'd just forgotten. And I grew up. I grew up driving in traffic. I learned how to drive right in the middle of Dallas, Fort Worth. That's just where I learned. And Cynthia goes, I don't like you when you're in traffic. <laughs> Invite him into every area of your life. That's what it's talking about. Acknowledge the Lord in, in, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Invite him into every area of your life, and he'll do something. He'll make your path straight. And we're like, what? Well, it actually makes a little bit more sense up here. Um, I went backpacking a few weeks ago uh, with, with Nathan, the guy that owns a coffee shop here. And, and, and we, he, 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 like, researched all this. It was planned out. We had a plan. And he called ahead, and he did everything that you're supposed to do. It was going to be a 21-mile hike, backpacking hike over like four days. Um, and this is in the Gila where they've had that flood a, a few years ago um, along the catwalk. And, and they said, yeah, the trail's open. <laughs> if you can find it, she didn't say. Um, and we go along, and it's gone. I mean, like washed out. And, and so they put little pink ribbons up to let you know where the trail was, but they weren't really obvious. So we're going along, and it's gone. And so you're looking, okay, where is it? And, and a couple of times we'd, like, drop our packs and have to scout it out a little bit. He was way better at that than I was. But to try to find the, the path, try to find the trail. When you're trusting in, in the Lord and not yourself, when you're inviting him into every area of your life, he'll do something for you. He will make it clear and obvious the way that you should go. We think of decisions a lot of times in right and wrong decisions, but really we don't live in right and wrong decisions all the time. Should you wear your blue jeans or should you put your slacks on? That might not be a right and wrong decision. Which college should you go to? Which jobs should you take? If you're in business for yourself, which jobs should you take? We live in a world where a lot of times it's not a right or wrong thing. And we're just saying, God, I don't know which one to do. When you trust in him, when you make it a habit of inviting him into every area of your life and you trust him with it, he's going to make it clear which way to go. If only, if only Joshua had done that. If only we would do that in our lives. The second principle really has to do with companions. 
And, and we say this a lot of times to our students. My kids have this memorized. Um, in fact, a lot of our students have this verse memorized. This is Proverbs thirteen twenty, and it says this. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Does that make sense to you? Okay, we'll move on. No, I'm kidding. You're not going to get off that easy. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Here's what I tell kids. You know what? If you want to be wise, I've got good news for you. All you got to do is hang out with wise people. Well, who are wise people? Wise people who know what to do. They know the right thing to do, and they do it. They're making wise choices. Those are wise people. They're making wise choices. You hang out with wise people, and you don't have to study anything. You don't have to memorize anything. You're, you are going to become wise. That's what it says. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. It rubs, isn't that great? Now, now, I push this a little bit with students. I say, you want good grades? You hang out with people that make good grades. And, and you're like, oh, that's crazy. Well, no, they're going to start picking up on their habits. They're going to start becoming like them. Isn't that good news? You can become wise. How? You hang out with wise people. If only Joshua would have been hanging out with some wise people. The people he was hanging out with right then that he listened to were making wise choices. And the other part of this verse is really hard. It says the companion of fools suffers harm. And, 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 and again, we, we talk with the teenagers a lot about this. And I tell them all the time, I say, you know what? If your parents could get a hold of this, their lives would be so much better. <laughs> if your grandparents could grasp this, their lives would be so much better. So you can get a leg up on your parents and grandparents by doing this. The companion of fools suffers harm. And I know we say, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. You don't have to because the companion of fools suffers harm. It begins in verse 1. What Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, did was foolish. And the whole nation of Israel suffered for it. What, what, what the spies who went in and, and spied out uh, the, the land, what they did was foolish. Their advice to Joshua was foolish, and they suffered for it. The hard part is this. When parents are the fools, the kids suffer for it. When a husband is the fool, the wife and the family suffers for it. This is a principle that, that if we could get, and I, I tell teenagers all the time, I, I think sometimes they look at me, I try not to mention dates because then it like really distanced me. I've been working with students since 1987, and they're like, my parents weren't even born then. <laughs> so I try to quit saying that. But, but I tell them, listen, what you're dealing with now, you're going to do with the rest of your life. The pressure to, to, to do some stuff, that doesn't go away. It's different when you're an adult, but it doesn't go away. The desire to be accepted and loved, 
It looks a little bit different in middle school and high school than it does when you're an adult, but it doesn't go away. We all want to be liked. You remember that show, Cheers? We all want to go somewhere where, where everyone knows our name, right? Some of you are singing the song now in your head. We, we all want that. That doesn't go away when you become an adult. If we could grab onto this principle, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And, and we can live by that. If only Joshua, if only Joshua had grabbed a hold of that principle. If only we could grab a hold of that principle. Unfortunately, here's what happens. We end up in a place, we, we get down the road of the path that we've been on, and, and at some point we ask ourselves, how did I get here? How did I get here? Well, begin by putting yourself first, by, by not seeking God, and by trusting in yourself rather than God. But I got some good news for you. When we, when we find ourselves there, there's a way back. Isn't that cool? Don't you love it that God never gives up on you? I, I talk with parents a lot, and I say, you know, I, I want to parent like God parents us. <laughs> when, when your teenager pulls away from you, any of you have teenagers? Yeah? I know some of you do because I see them. When your teenager's pulling away from you, do what God does, pursue them. Isn't that cool? When you've told them for the thousandth time to do something and they don't, or not to do something and they do, do what God does. Pursue them. <laughs> I love it that God never gives up on us. There is no place that you can go that you're too far from God that he, he can't bring you back. So here's the way back. We read it in, in verses 6 through 9. It says, Then Joshua, when they were defeated, Joshua, he wasn't really smart a little bit earlier, but he got smart real fast. Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell on the, to the earth on his face before the ark of Yahweh, the ark of the Lord, until evening. God, I didn't seek you then, but I'm seeking you now. Isn't that cool? I get the impression this is like all day. <laughs> and until evening, he and the elders of Israel, he, he went back and he said, guys, we got to turn to God. And they put dust on their heads. Now, you don't have to do that part. Not sure you have to tear your clothes. But here's the point. They fell face down before the Lord. Everything. They said, God, you're all we got. You're all we got. We're not trusting in us. We're not trusting in anything else. We're trusting in you. And Joshua prayed. Now, now sometimes when we read prayers in the Bible, you've got to realize that, that, that they're, they're just kind of venting to God. David's prayers are a lot that way. I wouldn't pray a lot of David's prayers. Lord, would you gut my enemies in front of all the people, you know. It's, here's what he prayed. Alas, O Lord God. This is, uh, Lord is Adonai in, in Hebrew. 
uh, Adonai or Elohim. This is, he's praying to the one true God. Oh, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Is, is that why you did? We went through all this, 40 years, preparing us for this. You brought us, he's venting. And sometimes you're angry at God. You know what you need to do? Go to him. He's venting. He doesn't understand. You ever been there? God, why is this happening? He said, would that we have, had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. Now, he didn't go so far as to say we want to go back to Egypt, but he says, you know what? We didn't have it that bad in the wilderness. Oh, Lord, what can I say? What is Israel uh, when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Here we go. And what will you do for your great name? That's not a prayer I would like memorize and pray. But, but Joshua found his way back. He went to God and said, God, it's, it's you. It, it's all up to you. If only he would have prayed that last thing first. What will you do for your great name? Lord, we're getting ready now. We've got the we got AI that, that we need to go and conquer. Lord, what will you do for your great name? Wouldn't that have been a great place to begin? Wouldn't that have saved them some heartache and some suffering? We don't know what would have happened because he didn't do it. But I'm hoping that probably what would have happened if he had began with that prayer, God would have said, well, Joshua, you need to take care of something first in your midst. You see, the way back is we think a lot of times that, that we, we stray from God, that we get away from God, and we got to work our way back. No. Paul says, look, the same way that you came to faith in Christ, that's how you're supposed to walk in him. You didn't work yourself into a relationship with God. You don't have to work yourself back to him. You simply turn to him and you say, God, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. It's all you. I wonder, uh, I wonder this morning if, if we're really honest. We, we love picking on, on especially the nation of Israel, and they give us plenty of opportunity. But, but I wonder if we weren't really honest with ourselves that we might say, you know what, I'm, I'm there a lot more than I would like to be. That's me a lot more than, than I would want to be. God has done all this in my life. He, he's shown me I can trust him time and time and time again. And, and yet, I still, I still put me first. I don't ask him. I don't call out to him. I don't say, Lord, what would you do? What would you do for your great name? God, what would you have me do? Lord, how do you want to use this circumstance? How do you want to use this situation? God, what do you, what do you want me to do? Instead, we just go on our way, and, and we trust ourselves. We don't trust him. It, can I just encourage you this morning that, that, to just, no matter where you are, on, whether you're on the path for defeat or, or, 
maybe you've learned your lessons. I wonder if I could just encourage you this morning to just say, you know what, God? Even when I think I've got something, help me remember I got nothing. (laughs) God, I got nothing. It's not me. It's not even about me. Lord, what would you have me do? What would you do for your great name? That's a little bit scary prayer, isn't it? Lord, in my life, you know, we talked about trusting the Lord with all your heart. That means with everything. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Invite him into every area of your life and say, Lord, what would you do for your great name? God, here's my checkbook. What would you do for your great name? Lord, here's my calendar. What would you do for your great name? Here's a really scary one. God, here's my family. What would you do for your great name? Because, God, it's about you. I got nothing. I got nothing. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to trust in ourselves. It's so easy for us to think we've got it handled. And God, it's unfortunately easy for us to totally leave you out of the equation. God, would you forgive us for doing that? And Lord, even for some, as, as, as we walk through a passage like this, as, as we think about your word and, and the principles to, to trust you with all of our heart, to trust you with everything, to invite you into every area of our lives, God, we may do pretty well at that, but a lot of times there's like one area that we just don't. Sometimes there's a place in our hearts that we say, God, I'm not sure I'm ready for you to come in there yet. Holy Spirit, would you do in us what we can't do? Would you just break down those walls? And would you give us the courage and the boldness to trust you with everything? To leave no doors locked. Just open open our hearts up to you. And, and whatever that is, whether it's a relationship or whether it's our work or whether it's something else that we're trusting in, God, would would you just come in? Give us the courage and boldness to invite you in. And, and Lord, you, would you just begin to work? I, I thank you that, God, you always do that in such a loving way. And Lord, the things that we hold on to tightly, would, would you just lovingly, gently just pry our fingers loose? Because, Lord, in the end, we, we want to be a blessing to you. Lord, we, we want to be an instrument, a, a tool in your hands for your honor and for your glory and for the ultimate end of, of bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And God, we can't do that if we're on our own. So Lord, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you draw us to you? Help us to get to the place where, God, we're quick to confess and repent. That, that the way back is quick and short. And God, even if we got to do that several times during the day, that we would do that. 